Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Well, thank God that's over. Uh, what part of today? The Red Wings game that you just saw? Any. <laughs> Honestly, just any of it. Brad was at work. He, uh, he got to my place for... Uh, the end of the or like halfway through the third period and he goes i haven't watched much of this game what uh how did it go and i went oh first period one of the worst of the season second period one of the best of the season third period pretty bad and that's red wings hockey i've used this phrase a few times this week on twitter but this has legitimately been such a weekend of experience red wings hockey just like the most clown absurd garbage happening or just like Today, Val Philpula with a wide open net deciding to hold onto the puck and curl around and then, you know, pass it out uh, to the point to someone else who just fires it into traffic. And you're like, Val, why? Well, today started with a possible nuclear meltdown and ended with a nuclear meltdown. So, (laughs) you know, what a way to wake up. Yeah, early because of a, a warning that everybody in Ontario got sent to their phone about an event at the Pick- Pickering Nuclear Power Plant. I don't know much about nuclear power plants other than what I learned from Chernobyl, <laughs> but I know Pickering's not that far from us, and I didn't know if we would be in the range of whatever the hell was going on. <laughs> so I've been awake since then. Okay, so we, it's this uh, emergency bulletin which goes out to phones, and it's been a point of contention for people in, in Ontario because it's just stupid. It's like they use it essentially for amber, amber alerts here, and uh, it doesn't matter where you are. If it's in Sudbury, that it'll go out to pretty much everyone in Ontario, although I've heard they've been trying to pare it down a little bit. Regardless, uh, seven. it was like 7.30 in the morning on Something like that. Yeah. Sunday on the morning. one day of the week I was anticipating sleeping in a little bit. It's, uh, it says this applies to people within 10 kilometers, so like just over six. It's about six and a quarter miles uh, of the Pickering Nuclear Generating Station. Uh, Ontario has nuclear power um, throughout the province. Um, there, It says there has been no abnormal increase or release of radioactivity from the station and the emergency staff are responding to the situation. So there's an incident, no abnormal increase in radiation. Emergency staff are responding. People, people near the, the station don't need to take any protective actions at this time. Just remain tuned to local media for further information and instructions. <laughs> it's like that thing someone walks into the room saying, hey, I'm not going to murder you today. I was like, well, I didn't think you were until now. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we weren't within six miles of it. Um, Hopefully. Am I upset that I got woken up by that just to have it tell me that everything was fine? No, because I think if there was a nuclear meltdown or like something important, I would want it there. But the alarm is like the the noise it pushes your yeah. You're awake. Yeah. There's no going that could that that sound could be accompanied by a lovely video of puppies uh, playing with small children over soft music and you're still so jarred you're not going back to sleep. It's like you, if you have never woken up with a rapidly beating heart, I can find a quick remedy for you. <laughs> it's, it's, I, so it doesn't, the noise doesn't come through on my phone because I have the ringer off and I have something else silenced. I don't know what the setting is, but it came through on Mel's full volume. Um, yeah, it's not, I think that that alarm, like that noise should not be used unless your building, like within 
a 50 feet of you is on fire. The person who's sending the alarm can physically see the missile coming. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't see the radiation. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Anyways, happy to hear that the, apparently it was all sent out in error, which is nice. Yeah, that that's why I'm angry. I'm not angry we get these alerts. They're useful. Someone screwed up here, and that's what makes me angry. Like when Hawaii got the false missile alert yeah. like a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know what I was you know what I thought was funny? Or you know what, like looking back, what I thought was funny? My initial 60 seconds of dr- uh, like drunken, uh, sleepy stupor, what, I read that as there has been an increase in radiation. And I was like, really? The end of days on a weekend? That is some bullshit if I've ever he- heard it. Hearing it. Jeez. Wow. It is Sunday. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco, and it's pronounced nuclear. <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> uh, Evan is uh, on the slopes in... He made up a city. Like, we both know it wasn't a real city. <laughs> it was just like, it's like snowboarders use this term. And yeah. It's like an in-joke with them. Like, let's fool the normies. Make up the craziest city name and see if your friends buy it. He's like, oh, I'm going to Katuma. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm going to Ch- Chitoga for uh, some fresh pal. At least stick with the same name, Evan. Come yeah, on. yeah. I'm going to Kelowna. Yeah, Evan, that's a real place. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. So Evan's out there, uh, and we can uh, comfortably say that he won't ever hear this. So uh, we can open up the ridicule to however much we want. Uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, uh, a surprising amount has happened, even though the last time we recorded was Thursday night. Um, the Red Wings had a pretty eventful game against Ottawa, and then a kind of garbage game now against Buffalo. Um, more chatter around the Blash Hill uh, coaching situation. Uh, we'll talk about different players, Howard Larkin, Sider and Rasmussen in Grand Rapids. Um, Ray Shiro got fired a couple hours before we started recording, which is bizarre. So recently that I have not actually read an article explaining why. Uh, and then we are going to talk about some quick hits like Chuck and Cassian and then maybe to run a quick tankathon, that kind of thing. And then we'll head into overtime. All right. The Red Wings. Um, crazy game against Ottawa. That was a wild, wild game. It's followed the Red Wings pattern of the first period and a half to two periods are kind of bleh, And then the end of the game is absolutely wild. Um, highlighted by that insane save by Hogberg. Yeah. Hogberg. How are you Save. Saying? Saves. Mike Green putting a dent in the post from about five feet out. I Okay, listen. I understand that puck was rolling on Mike Green there, and there was a defender on his belly uh, in between Green and the net. But uh, as an NHL player, that's a shot you should hit 100 out of 100 times. <laughs> Mike Green was close enough where that – like if Mike Green was uh, someone asleep in Ontario and the net was the nuclear power plant, like that's the distance we want that siren going off at. I didn't <laughs> articulate that properly, but just to give you an idea. Uh, yeah, he – Doinked it off that post. Uh, and single doink. Single, one doink. No double doinks on this one. Uh, and that was an overtime. The Red Wings ended up winning it in, in the shootout. Uh, Larkin had a highlight reel end-to-end goal where he flexed his speed and lower body strength to uh, score in regulation. And then uh, a nice shootout goal for the uh, game winner. I love the way he opened up his hips and pivoted in the neutral zone just to make it look like he was going to drop it. And then the yeah. defenseman slowed up just. Just enough that now you're screwed. That little switch in body position, and you can see all the defense, like all the defenders just kind of like 
relax and then look to anticipate the next move and then go, oh, shoot. <laughs> nope, never mind. <laughs> he's he's gone. Yeah. It's no Connor McDavid. He gone. Getting clocked in at how what how fast was he going? I don't know. What's the speed of sound? It was <laughs> he was clocked at like over twenty seven miles an hour on his <sighs> goal against Calgary. What are you supposed to do? Truly, like what there's nothing you can do. Connor McDavid is so good where just try to trip him. It's the only viable strategy. Yeah, the things slow down on the power play, so that's probably your best bet to slow him down, is just give him the power play. Yeah, honestly. Or at least, like, you know what? I'd rather get scored on by dry subtle than McDavid because I, you know, Matthew Kachuk, have dry subtle on my fantasy team or something like that. Because he's automatic when he's in one on one on the goalie. There's no, and it's always this pretty move. It's always a gorgeous move. It doesn't matter who's in that. Oh, that reminds me, goalies, we should talk about uh, Georgiev. Georgiev, sorry. Why? Uh, well, he's officially on the block, and we can talk about potential trades. Okay. Because that's being hypothesized quite a bit. Okay. So that Ottawa game, uh, the Red Wings won in the toilet bowl there. The only disappointing part of all of that is that they didn't. Um, it didn't come accompanied with the Zadina goal, but he still has more opportunities hey, at that. it was a winning streak. And what I assume is the longest winning streak of the year for the Red Wings, because that was two. So the Red Wings, uh, with today's loss against Buffalo, uh, are sitting at 27 points. Uh 31st last in the league 30th is now anaheim no longer new jersey wow uh anaheim and ottawa tied actually um both of them with 12 uh regular uh regulation wins um i forgot that it's no longer rows it's just regulation wins detroit with 10 so detroit is 12 points back of them and (laughs) it'll never not be funny they have uh both those teams have a game in hand so if you are a you know captain tank as hard as you can this just goes to show how much of a lead they had they won two games lost one and they still have a 12 point at least 12 point cushion well, here well the key thing was beating ottawa in a shootout yeah giving ottawa that valuable point mm-hmm. and the red wings win did not count in the regulation wins column so there you go mm-hmm. so overtime wins don't count anymore huh towards the uh, no, not for the first tiebreaker. I did not know that changed. Fun fact, uh, the Red Wings just scored goal number 100 on the season today. Their one goal against Buffalo was their 100th of the season. Ryan, it's the middle of January. Uh, next lowest scoring team. That's almost. That's only triple what David Posternock has. That's less than triple of what David Posternock has. Um <laughs> Anaheim with 115, so Detroit is terrible. They terrible are, offensive team right now. They are easily the worst offensive team in the league, which is concerning because they are also easily the worst <laughs> defensive team in the league. Okay, talk about let's talk about some Red Wings players. Um, I'm going to do this to you, and I promise I'm not bringing it up to razz you. Madison Bowie, one of the only bright spots for the Red Wings today. Uh <laughs> He's on a little bit of a tear. Um, he had a great wrister, found the net when uh, the goalie was pulled out of position, has been kind of, I don't know, not reliable offensively, but he's got 14 points in 35 games or maybe more now. Uh, he's easily Detroit's highest or second highest scoring defenseman next to Hironic, who has 25 points, so well outpacing him. That being said, is it horrifying that third on the def- Red Wings defense in scoring is Dennis Cholosky? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. no, it's Mike Green, you dingus. They're tied. 
They have how many points does Cholosky have? Eight. Cholosky has eight points. Yes. Are you sure? Oh, he's just not showing up on here because he's not on the active <laughs> he roster. He hasn't been on the team in over a month. Oh man. Uh, yeah, no. Bowie has been doing what you said he could do before, and then the moment you said that, he kind of fell off a cliff. Yeah, it was. So I'm not saying it ever again. <laughs> Because I want him to develop into a good player, but I'm not throwing that jinx out there again. If Bowie produces at this rate and holds himself to only one major defensive gaffe every three games, hell yeah, keep him on. Keep him on the third period. That would be better Brendan Smith. Put him on the second power play unit. Or, again, hot take here, use him as a winger. He is on the second power play unit. I know. (laughs) Yeah, like keep him there. Uh the only reason I, I legitimately think like this isn't even like dumb just messing around. I think the only reason Madison Bowie's not been being used as a forward is because the Red Wings are so depleted on defense. Cholosky's sent down. Danny DeKaiser's hurt all the time. Mike Green is often hurt. Jonathan Erickson, well, either hurt or is Jonathan Erickson. I will easily make the argument even when this defense is fully healthy, he's still one of the six best. That's not a testament to him. That's just a statement. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. That's a statement towards the rest of the team. But he would still have a spot. He's he's on a 31-point pace. That's not bad. That's... But you... For a bottom-bearing defenseman, that's good. I know, but it's just <laughs> the def- it's just the defense part that of it. It's might have, so bad. He, that might have led the team in defensive points last year. <laughs> How bad he is on defense is legitimately inexcusable from a defenseman but how bad he is on defense is excusable if you're a winger yeah i I will take that but you also don't know how he'll translate into that part of the game like he's not not. used that positioning before it's like we're joking around here in all honesty kudos to madison bowie like we're not going to rip on him when he's doing well like he's proven to be still useful it's not black it's, it's not like a zero-sum black and white game where it has to be like one thing or another uh either a player's always good or always bad and there's nothing in between and, and i think we sometimes get trapped into that a because we're talking heads on a podcast and we come on here twice a week it's just naturally we try to come to the conclusions uh but b i think there's a tendency to do that in sports and madison bowie's kind of like that perfect example of that gray area i would still put him towards uh, he needs to be way better for this to be justifiable, but he is on a 30 point pace. He can find them. And they're, it's not, they're not all fluke. Some of them are, some of them I've watched. I'm like, okay, every defenseman gets secondary assists, even the best of them. Uh, but today's goal, like he, the uh, Sabres goaltender, Ulmark, Linus Ulmark, is that right? Yes. Uh, pulled himself heavily out of position. Bowie recognized that and picked the corner. It was a beautiful wrist shot. Um, and that's the kind of play where you're like, yeah, you're worthy of of your spot on the second power play unit, or you're worthy of the minutes that you're getting as a third-pairing defenseman. But when you are on this Red Wings team, and we can pick up your defensive mistakes in the sea of you know 2019-2020 Red Wings hockey, that's bad. So, so here here's going to be my my argument, not for Madison Bowie being a good player. But my argument for Madison Bowie being on this team next year, I think we can probably say that the top two right D for the Red Wings next year will be Philip Hronik and Mort Sider. Yeah. Okay. So then the bottom pairing right side is open, and it's probably going to be a three-way battle for between Madison Bowie, Alex Biega, and Gustav Lindstrom. <laughs> I 
That, Can you that, do me a favor and never say that phrase again? Yeah. And right now, the best of that group is almost certainly Madison Bowie, as horrifying as that is. So unless they sign someone else, and let's not forget, Phil Peronik will be in his second full season next year, and Morton Sider will be a 19-year-old rookie. Who is going to make mistakes and will be sent up and down the lineup or possibly even back down to Grand Rapids. Yeah, because uh, I only caught the th- most of the third period of this game. But from what I saw, uh, Madison Bowie was pay- playing on the top pairing with Philip Peronik. <laughs> he was, in fairness to him, he was probably the only good Red Wing today <laughs> by all rights. So... The left side of Detroit's defense next year will be an adventure on its own between Nemeth and Chalosky and Guy and Other Guy and Super Guy, and it doesn't matter. I I think it's almost certain Bowie will be on the team next year. I think... Unless uh, he's trade filler or something. Here's a an outside take, and again, not predicting this to happen, but does Madison Bowie now have trade value? Team looks at him and says, hey, on this Red Wings team, he's on pace for 30 points. Maybe not bad if we're looking to shore up some secondary uh, scoring from our defense in because a- maybe they don't pay attention and haven't <laughs> scouted him. <laughs> in a perfect world, yeah. And that's a very real thing with NHL hockey. Jeff Finger got paid $4 million a year, and I'm pretty sure accidentally by Toronto way yeah, back. Yeah, because he thought he was Kurt Sauer. Um, no, I could see in a world Madison Bowie being an okay piece in a trade for a team. Or they might even look for him. They might even offer like a fourth or a fifth. Wouldn't predict like I wouldn't put money on it, but I mean I think objectively Madison Bowie has more worth than a fifth at this point. Would you because he's still young. Again, not that I'm saying he's ever gonna be good, but there is very much time and opportunity for his defensive game to improve under a good system and a proper coach. And hell, if the Red Wings were good and he had some support, maybe he doesn't look like as big of a disaster as he's been defensively. I think, you know, Madison Bowie has like late night, you know, uh on ice sessions, the arena lights go off and the coach keeps him out there one on one with some like old wise mind like defensive guru who just fixes players like he does that for months and months and months and trains and does everything perfectly i think his best case scenario is still what we see now offensively and defensively just fine (laughs) (laughs) i think that's where he'll max out but that's where you want madison bowie okay i'll call up gordon bombay and mr miyagi and we'll see what we can do between the two of them they might be able to fix something yeah uh but if he can get there in all honesty if he can get there to Brad Crisco's version of Madison Bowie from earlier this season that you predicted, then yeah, let's do it. I wouldn't um, call it a prediction, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's more hope. But we're speaking about like the positional need on the right and left side. Yeah. Almost at the point, painfully, where you can't get rid of him no matter what. If he's putting up 30 points and you don't have any other good options besides Alex Biega, who have experience on your right side, you need to, you need to, you can't believe you're saying this, but you need to keep Madison Bowie in your team. Oh my God. That's where the Red Wings are right now. Whoa, this is boy. why they are 12 points behind 30th. Yep, yep. I always wonder what it's like for fans of uh, opposing teams to listen to this podcast. Who, why would they? I just assume no. We have a few. Oh, I know, and I don't get why, but I appreciate them so much. Unless you're just listen, you're just hate listening to laugh in our misery. In which case, uh, thank you all the same. Oh <laughs> uh, boy, uh, Jimmy Howard um, is someone I want to talk about. 
he's very Four more goals in seven of his last 11 games. Worst season, probably of his career. Uh, probably Jimmy Howard is no, like, he's just that that's it for him. I could see him bouncing back. Maybe depending on how long he stays playing and, and being okay. Um, but here's the reality. This guy is not young anymore. Uh, he's seen a wealth. I would hazard a guess and say probably more than any other goalie or at least up there, uh, high danger shots against uncontested shots against. He's been asked to do everything through thick and thin and in between uh, for this team and has come up and overperformed a ton over the years. Last year, he without Jimmy Howard, Detroit probably doesn't finish as high in the standings as they do. So this year, seeing his performance, watching him, the reason we aren't panicking about it is because we're like, oh well, yeah, obviously you have to expect this to happen at some point. Father Time is undefeated and poor Jimmy Howard's body is broken. Like, He's not moving quick enough laterally anymore. He's not as flexible and is not able to get over or, or stretch and make that desperation save as much anymore. His rebound control is off. His positioning is off. It, it's just normal age and aggression. Um, I can understand why people are frustrated with it, but I think, I don't know. I, my take on a hockey team is that you don't panic about the goalie until the team in front of them is good enough to justify that, right? Like the Maple Leafs, uh, being upset about their backup goalie makes sense because they have a team that realistically should be challenging for the cup right now. So that is something that they should be worried about. Or even when Frederick Anderson's not on his game, like, yeah, fair criticism. For Red Wings fans, um, my thought is, and I'm not telling you how to feel, but my thought is, I don't really, like, yeah, he sucks, but it's not <laughs> It's not like Jimmy Howard has lost Detroit a lot of close one-goal games, you know? Like, usually they're accompanied by the rest of the team playing poorly. So I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, everyone sucks. And Jimmy's contract is done and he's only way he's back is if they need a backup like it's not he's not a burden to this team long term uh he's not the reason they're losing this year or he's not the singular reason they're losing this year and it makes sense he's not underperforming he's actually playing to probably to where you can expect him to be playing right now based on his career so far it was it's all very preachy but i've just there's so much howard chatter that i just kind of thought i'd put my two cents out there jimmy howard doesn't matter because by the time the red wings are good jimmy howard will in all likelihood be retired i would bet a thousand dollars on the fact that he'll be retired and pop like working for the team as a goalie coach or something like that yeah it's didn't doesn't and it doesn't help howard's case that bernier has been good this year well bernier has been great bernier has been to a lesser degree what howard was last year stepped up and is doing really well in spite of the team in front of him uh with scoring up so far this year you're not going to see as many 930 920 save percentage goaltenders bernie is posting like a 907 right now which isn't good by any right for this team that's phenomenal for this team that's great as you can see like they have outperforming pekka rene carry price (laughs) yeah um like and they have better teams in front of them the red wings have the least goals for and most goals against they have the most goals against by 20 goals (laughs) Again, not that goalies aren't involved in that. Very obviously, they're they're more directly related or correlated to that stat than any other position. But for a team that has 20 goals against and for Bernier to be doing as well as he is, yeah, he's taking over the starter job and he's doing what Jimmy Howard was doing last season. Neither goalie's going to... Bernie might steal a game here or there. Howard's not going to. Bernie's not going to lose him games. Howard might, but that depends. That would have to be the Red Wings playing to within one goal of another team, which... Uh, for a team that just scored their 100th goal on January 12th, 2020, not likely. 
This is why I don't know if I'm pro or anti-trade for Alexander Georgiev this season. Let's chat about that. Because if you want to know how to break a young promising goalie, you put him on this edition of the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. But also he's very good and could be a potential long-term solution if he doesn't get broken in the next two to three years. Also Detroit, other than Detroit systems, not looking great for starting goalies right now. Georgiev's 23 years old. Um, yeah, he'll be 24 in a month. Um, I would say out of all of the rain or the two Rangers prospects or young goaltenders between him and Shostyorkin is he's the one I'm less excited about, but they're obviously not going to deal Shostyorkin. Yeah. Uh, and they can't deal Lundqvist. That would like, that'd be like trading away the key to the city. Henrik Lundqvist is New York and New York is Henrik Lundqvist. And that's just the way it's going to be. So Georgiev has to be the, the odd man out, but what they want is a near NHL ready prospect or player. Do you trade if you're New York and you're the Red Wings, do you say yes and or no to Rasmussen for Georgiev? I would do it as a Red Wings fan. Would you do it if you're the GM of the Rangers? I would strongly consider it. Would you go Athanasiu for Georgiev? Not straight up, but that could be the framework. And you would accept that, obviously, one for one if you're the Rangers GM. Yes, absolutely. I think Rasmussen, like a Rasmussen deal, they might have to sweeten that a little bit because he obviously hasn't shown it a lot. Uh, But a Rasmussen deal might not be too bad. I hate the idea of giving up on a guy who you drafted so high so early. He's only 20 years old still, but I'm also not terribly high on him. I think his ceiling is somewhere like a or his realistic projection is somewhere like a third line center who can contribute on the power play which isn't like a a nothing player like those aren't easy to come by but versus starting goalie maybe starting goalie Georgiev is far from a proven and polished product he has had his good streaks he's had his bad streaks um I don't know. I I think if the Red Wings could pull off something like that, that's a trade that I would definitely consider, even if they have to sweeten it a little bit. Um, It might be, who knows, maybe they can get it done for Svechnikov. Svechnikov. I would also, and that's going to be like... That's where if I'm the Rangers, I'm going, "Ah, I don't know. It's funny because I think you'd find more opposition from Red Wings fans about Svechnikov just because how well-loved he is. Yeah, that's true. And I I like Svechnikov too as a player, but like... I think Rasmussen would bring more value to the team at this point, even with all the injuries. If you're Steve Eisenman, do you focus on bringing him in? Is this one of those opportunities to bring in a good young goaltender um, when you might not be able to get one otherwise? I don't think Eisenman's going to pay a premium. I think he knows, for what I was mentioning earlier, that you bring Gorgiev into the Red Wings this year, you could break him. You could give up a premium piece for a very promising goalie, and then you put that promising goalie behind this dumpster fire for the next two years confidence is gone because goalies aren't like players they they can't get through dumpster fires unscathed it's it's hard because if you're getting shelled by that many shots over and over again and you're allowing that many goals and you're losing that much confidence goes the confidence goes the mental end goes the mental end goes you start breaking down your mechanics you start breaking down your timing it just you can lose a goalie in a situation like this so not that it's you could also strengthen him because he's getting so much more work. By the time the rigs are good, he'd be like, oh, this is easy. Mm-hmm. But it's a big maybe. So, Okay, you're talking a lot about systems and uh, basically how a coach is running the team affecting the goalie. 
is that motivation for you if you're Steve Eisman and your assessment is Blash is not the right guy right now, which I don't think that's Eisman's assessment to put that out there. Is that enough motivation for you to go and switch out Jeff Blashill this year? No, not for a goalie. I don't, I, again, I'm not a Blashill fan. Most everybody knows that, but I don't think it's all on Blashill why the goalies are getting shelled there. Again, Barry Trotz could come in. This team's going to be horrid defensively and give up a million shots. Now, if I bring in a Georgiev, oh, you bet your ass I'm going to do everything I can to shelter him, whether that's changing the coach, whether that's just going out and signing a whole bunch of Patrick Nemeths Mm -hmm. just to, we got to lock this crap down. We can't do this again. Sure. I would absolutely look at doing that for Eisenman because if you trade a Rasmussen for a Svechnikov or any significant piece for a Georgiev or whoever the young goalie might be, that young goalie is now the most important prospect in the system, and you need to do everything you can to protect him. The uh, Craig Cousins put out an article um, basically talking about the Jeff Blaschel situation, and it was nice to get a, a different take on it. Um, although like, I, nothing really new was put out there, but a lot of focus was put on Lane Lambert, who we've brought up before. Some people on Twitter have been mentioning this to us for a little while now. Uh, Lambert is an assistant coach in uh, the Islander system under Barry Trotz. And if you had to pick you know, a coaching system that gets the most out of their players, Barry Trotz and his coaching squad are probably like the prototypical, these guys figure it out and get it done team. Um, Lambert also was Steve Eisman's roommate way back in the day dun, dun. for a guy who's seeing that kind of success um who's getting praised around the league sources around the league constantly say that he's going to be one of the next guys to get a head coaching job that's not in the normal cycle of head coaches this is the point where you have to start considering that the red wings have seven days after jeff blashill's contract ends uh to pick him up for a uh, another the last year on his deal it's an, it's the team option if they, seven days after the season ends? After the season ends. If that seven days lapses and they haven't picked up his option, they pay him three hundred grand and he's gone. They don't hire him and they're on the search for another head coach. Um, it's a funny little clause that we didn't know about at the time of signing. It just kind of came out. I think LeBron put it out there a little while back. Um, so that's a decision that's going to have to be made. It's not something that uh, the team's going to just let passively go by. Um I still think the most likely op- scenario here is Eisenman um, doesn't make a move like letting Blashill go and bringing in a new coach and a new system quite yet. I think he'd be he's more liable to just let this ride for another year because don't kill me, but the Red Wings won't be competitive next year by all rights unless something completely crazy and drastic happens. And I'm talking like getting Alexi Lafreniere is the start of what would need to happen for the Red Wings to be competitive next year. Um, so why switch it up now instead of not rocking the boat, just letting Blasio's contract ride out completely and then bring in someone else when they're closer to turning the corner on this rebuild. But with guys like Lambert, with guys like Laviolette, uh, there's a lot of coaches out there. Mike Babcock. No, I'm kidding. Uh, there's a lot of coaches. DeBoer. DeBoer. There's a lot of coaches out there that Gronborg is going to be picked up eventually. There's another European coach that I'm missing, and I'm terrible for not remembering his name. Um, there's guys that are going to get picked up by other teams, and, and Detroit doesn't want to see another Gerard Gallant go by, right? So it's going to be interesting. Um, Eisenman's notoriously tight-lipped and ironclad, so it's hard to read him. This is all conjecture. 
I would be taking a long look at someone like Lambert. I agree with the take that that Blashill hasn't had a lot to work with. Um, and you really can't get a great read until you fix that, but it's going to be years before you fix that. And I just, I think Blashill doesn't have that luxury. And also Blashill is the third longest tenured coach in the NHL right now. Mm -hmm. So you can say what you want about, he hasn't had a lot to work with, but we've had a long look at what he's been doing. And uh, I don't find positives. Uh, Like the one thing I would have hoped under Blashill is to see, a majority of our young guys outperforming their expectations. Are any of them truly outside of Bertuzzi and maybe Heronic? Mantha before he got hurt, but Mantha's 25 now. That could just be the natural progression. This is if Mantha was doing this at 22, I think you get Blashill the credit for it. But Athanasiu is underperforming. Larkin's underperforming this year. Chalowski keeps getting sent down, which is not a good sign. Uh, Although, like some blame needs to be put on Chalowski there. He's not. No, no, I know it's not all on the coach, but just it's. You look at all the young players he's had come through his hands in his tenure, and there's not many true success stories there not that a lot of these guys turned out to be bad players like larkin's a great player athens is a great player yada 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 but a lot of their stories leave you wanting there's also an internal factor here that we have to consider we never pretend to know what's going on inside the organization uh there's not really been a lot of public comments based on players disagreeing with Blashill like you saw with babcock there's not been you know the captain butting heads there's not been you know players too many players upset about their ice time um he seems to be well liked within the team and the the administration is happy with how he's running things and you have to give credit to that just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not real um we can talk all we want and anyone else can talk all they want but unless you're privy to that kind of information we kind of have to roll it with with what's out there and we don't have reason to question that right uh, and this is a team that's historically been very public about disagreeing with their coach with mike babcock so Again, there's a lot of unknowns, and I guess from a content point of view, we're happy about that. But uh, as Red Wings fans, you kind of have to wonder if or when that change is going to happen. Something else I want to mention, uh, Michael Rasmussen, the second game back, scored for the Grand Rapids Griffins, so it's nice to see him on the board. Um, Would hope that he can manage to stay healthy, although I do think he kind of he left that game and came back due to injury again. I don't know. I don't know, but that first game when everybody came back, Sider scored, uh, Chalowski scored from Valeno, Rasmussen had two. It was just a perfect Grand Rapids Griffins game this year. Oh man, Sider's movement on the blue line for a big man. He just he is legitimately as smooth as butter. Actually, Sarah tweeted said smooth as apple butter. Which <laughs> screw you, Sarah, for saying that. But also that's hilarious. If he can translate that into the NHL game, keep that kind of movement without making atrocious mistakes with the puck at the blue line, obviously, that is just a whole other defense uh, dimension to a defenseman that you don't often get. Like You want his big shutdown defensive play. You want him laying hard hits. You want him being hard to play against, being able to eat minutes. He's got an okay offensive game. Not a phenomenal shot, but he has good vision and can make good passes. But you get that kind of movement on the blue line from someone his size? Oh, man. He, uh, his goal was like a fluky goal, and, and that's going to happen because it was just a goalie that pucked up, coughed up the puck behind the net, um, and he stole it and then just kind of wrapped it into the empty net. Why is more at Cider the one that's picking up the puck from a goalie behind his net? <laughs> yeah, well, 
just, it's why it's the AHL. Who cares? He just he's skating. He's just flying around. Yeah, I got it, boys. Oh look, he's coming out for it. I'm still going. Oh, he coughed it up. There you go. It's uh, it's more insider still playing against in the World Juniors where positioning doesn't matter. Neither does defense. It's just all O all the time. Who cares? Hey, it worked. It worked. Um, Dylan Larkin, before this game, uh, last game again, had a great game. He was on a five-game point streak there before. Um, not, I don't think any Red Wing had a good game today, but it is nice. Uh, I tweeted out before the Ottawa game that Dylan Larkin with Mantha and uh, Lafreniere. Well, Larkin had an assist on Bowie's goal. He got an assist? Mm-hmm. Six-game point streak for him. Uh, Dylan Larkin with Mantha and Lafreniere on his wings would be a 100-point player sent tweet. I was half kidding. I think he could be there, though. With the right season? I don't think he's a 100-point player, but... With those two guys on his wing? Maybe. I Again, because that's probably then assuming Lafreniere gets, what, a buck 15? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah. If, if the Red Wings win the draft lottery, I think Lafreniere leads his team in scoring every year, so... Outside of, like, maybe his first year. Yeah, maybe not next year, but after that, he will lead the team in scoring every year. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some league news. Ray Shiro being fired uh, as GM of the New Jersey Devils just a couple hours before they were due to play tonight, Sunday night. Why? Let's just look at the progression of this season. Big offseason for New Jersey. They won the draft lottery, drafted Jack Hughes, got all those players that they did, that they did uh, Subban, Gusev, et cetera, et cetera. And none of those were poor deals. None of them still look like poor deals. Even though Subban's underperformed. They gave up nothing for him. Two seconds, was it? Yeah. Like, I'd still make that deal. Um, they come out of the gate slow. They Their season's going terribly. They fire John Hines. They replace him with an assistant coach that was already in the system, um, Nazardine, um, which had some people scratching their heads because he was not part of the problem, but he was. If you're going to fire a coach because you you're not getting the t- the most out of the talent that you have on the team, don't you fire the whole coaching staff? Regardless, Nazardine stays on as coach. Uh, John Hines is fired. Later picked up by Nashville, but that's a different story. Uh, they trade their best player, one of the best left wingers in the game, in Taylor Hall, um, and thus their chances at first overall in the draft lottery. Uh, and then a couple weeks later, or however much, when did Hall get traded last month? <laughs> Feels like it. Uh, however many weeks later, they fire Ray Shiro. So you're going to let this guy change your head coach and trade your best player. And then you're going to fire him. If you wanted to make those decisions, wouldn't you want the incoming guy to make those decisions? And if you just now in like the four weeks or whenever between Hall got traded and now want to make that decision, what changed for you where all of a sudden Ray Shiro is doing a bad job? I don't really understand that. They got passed by Otto and Anaheim in the lottery division. And that was unacceptable. Yeah, they were just like, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need a winger for Hughes, um, despite all the wingers that we already have. Uh, I don't really get the way that's being run. I don't know if New Jersey's a president of hockey ops or a owner-involved uh, style team. You see different kinds of structures wherever you go. But that's kind of, if you're going to change your GM, don't do it now you can do it mid-season but not if mid-season means after your coach got fired and after one of the best players on the planet got traded from your team it's just really bizarre i don't know what to make of that uh it makes me think something happened that this for all the reasons you laid out might have been a sudden decision Mm -hmm. because of the timing of everything it's 
Yeah, I don't, I can't make heads or tails of it. Again, because the team's underperforming, but again, you go back through almost every decision he's made as the devil's gym in the last couple of years. I can't say I disagree with any of them and wouldn't redo them. I don't think that he's been the worst GM in the league. I think he's done a, a lot of times. I'm like, wow, Ray Shiro's doing a great job. New Jersey that. was champion as having the best offseason going into the season this year between the Subban move, obviously winning Hughes helps. Gusev signing Wayne Simmons for a flyer. Like, I, they, they were still ways away. They still had to get more depth, but that just comes with time. They were a bad team. They've won two draft lotteries recently. They've been so bad. That's going to take time and... I don't know that one year where they were inexplicably good and made the playoffs. I think that broke the franchise because they thought that was going to be the new norm. Honestly, whatever GM is going to come in is going to have a laughably great situation. They're going to have uh, Hughes, Heischer, not Taylor Hall anymore. Um, but the next couple extra first round picks, maybe, maybe Lafreniere, maybe Byfield, maybe Drysdale. Like they're going to have a ton to work with. They're going to be in 10 times better a situation than Steve Eisman was coming in as GM of the Red Wings. Uh, what else happened around the league? Oh, that let's talk about that Kachuk Cassian situation. Cause that was um, a lot. And I kind of want to get your take on it. I made the mistake of tweeting about it right before I went to work and then not check my mentions for like six hours. Oh boy. I forgot. Uh, there's no middle ground here either. Uh, the game is too soft and everybody's a pansy or, uh, both of them should be thrown out of the league. Not, not a lot of middle ground in my mentions. No, no, there never is in hockey. Yeah. Um, I, the first thing I saw when I started tweeting about it is someone was talking about, um, the hit where Kachuk, I guess it turned out to be the second one, Cassian, and then Cassian just jumped him and, and was just repeatedly throwing him around, punching him in the back of the head, the front of the head, whatever. Kachuk clearly not interested in that fight. Uh, had his gloves on the whole time. Uh, then someone said, well, Cassian's a little justified and showed a video of the first hit of Kachuk on Cassian where Kachuk uh, charges, lunges, and catches Cassian square, square in the head. I saw someone, a few people say, oh, he hit him in the shoulder. Parts of Kachuk definitely hit Cassian in the shoulder. <laughs> no argument there, but most of Kachuk hit Cassian in the head. So by definition, that's a headshot. And um, if you disagree with that, well, I, I, that's just vision. I recommend an optometrist. I So... My ultimate conclusion on this is suspend both of them. Kachuk for the exact type of headshot the NHL is trying to get rid of. And Cassian, because even in the UFC, you're not allowed to punch a guy in the back of the head, let alone repeatedly. Yeah, in the, in the wise words of Adam Sandler, that's assault, brother. You can't do that. Uh, you can't do that. I am all for if a guy is going to light you up in a vulnerable position like that. Like first, I agree. There was a, there was a headshot in the first hit. I think that is not a legal hit. Uh, and the second hit is very obviously meant to do the same thing. Like he, he was targeting him. He wanted to catch him coming around the net. I mean, if I'm Cassian you know, and I got lit up like that the first time, I don't have my head down like that the second time. But I digress. The responsibility is on Kachuk. Um, the second hit was clean clean uh but again it's a guy coming around the net with his head down it's the kind of hit that fans love to see but the league by all rights is trying to get rid of um despite coming in on the right side of the rules i think if you're a player who's been lit up like that i don't mind you responding to that like if you're if you want to fight if you want to go after the guy if you want to lay a clean hit absolutely and the fact that the whistle went and you didn't stop play to to start a fight is another thing that i appreciate because i hate when clean hits result in the play stopping um 
but you also can't just if Kachuk doesn't want to fight, you don't get to. I'm sorry, you do you do not get to beat the hell out of a person and punch them in the back of their head, especially when they're like when they're down. Don't punch someone. It's just plain. It's it's honor among thieves. It's plain and simple. Don't do it. If you can't do it in the UFC, like Brad said, you, you can't do it on the ice. I don't know. I think the NHL would have to look at both of them because Kachuk's first hit definitely was. He's not blameless here. Yeah, they both can. Kachuk do- probably needs a longer suspension because that's a more dangerous play. As as happened with the Toronto game, which resulted in a lot of the hockey world being angry at me, I think both sides can have done really shitty things and deserve to be looked at. Uh, and sometimes it just, again, it's not a zero-sum game. It's not black and white. It's not all going to balance out. Sometimes it ends up that they both suck and it's negative all around and nobody has a good day. And that's kind of just like life. And you wake up at 7.30 in the morning to say, hey, wink, wink, that's not a nuclear meltdown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of nuclear meltdowns, let's talk about the positive of this story. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the fact that the Leafs are losing 6-1 to Florida right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, halfway through the second. Are we sure there wasn't actually a meltdown? Because Pickering <laughs> is the GTA. Um, no, the, the, the positive was the nuclear meltdowns after the game. Oh, love it. Love oh, it. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag make hockey hate again. I'm all for, I'm very much, I want this to be a clean sport, but I very much want this to be a rivalry sport. Yeah. So when you see a player from the Edmonton Oilers and a player from the Calgary Flames just cutting each other down in the media after the game, yes, please, more of this. I want them to, now they, once their suspensions are over, because this is going to be a great rivalry now. Crap's going to happen again. There's going to be more suspensions in this, which whatever, it sucks. But it's going to happen. But they're going to hate each other and they're going to go at each other and it's going to be pure entertainment. It is amazing. Like, I love Cassian calling him a punk and then Kachuk responding, well, if you didn't want me to light you up, stop putting yourself in positions for me to light you up. Just literally calling him on it. It doesn't matter who's right here. It's the fact that they're angry about it. Yeah. If if the hockey gods are just, we'll get a Calgary-Edmonton playoff series. Yes. It's it's the whole Kachuk-Doughty thing all over again because it's just with a new Kachuk adversary. I want animosity. I want passion. I want teams to hate each other. I don't want them to cross the lines in the thing, but... If Matthew Kachuk's coming up the wing and Zach Cassian with the puck and Zach Cassian sees him, I'm gonna be excited about what might is what what might happen here. The uh, NHL has to thank Matthew Kachuk for a lot here because every Calgary LA game and every Calgary Edmonton game is now that much more exciting. That's like nine games a year at least, if not ten. Uh, and then obviously you have the, anyone who's rivals with Brad Marchand, which checks notes everyone in the league uh, you i would like for the old style of hockey rivalries to come back where in-season games mattered way more it's not the game that we played today uh teams are focusing a lot more on the playoffs but it's nice to set this up it's nice to have this fuel these actual real genuine storylines i just like to read about something else besides you know where the royal family is landing in canada yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> I I understand that, you know, wanting the game of hockey to be cleaner and then wanting rivalries is kind of the whole, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So I, I'm aware that this is going to be a fine line they're going to have to walk, but I'm still very much here for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
nothing is saying that the probable outcome of Kachuk having the puck and Cassian running to hit him isn't going to end in an injury or something bad happen, but we can still hope that it won't and still be exciting, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to see anyone get hurt out there, but I would love some entertaining hockey. I would love for a guy to have a fight and then go out score the overtime winner and then taunt them in front of their bench. Yeah, there's nothing more than I would want than I don't care which of them because I don't really have a preference, Calgary Edmonton, but like Zach Cassian scoring the O2 winner and just stopping in front of Calgary's bench and like giving <laughs> Chuck the finger guns. <laughs> this is all I want in my life now. The That's probably the only situation where finger guns are cool. Mel's started doing finger guns and I've been trying to get her to stop, which is, yeah, it's not good. She's, <laughs> she's not cool doing them. She's not cool doing much, but especially not finger guns. She's downstairs. She can probably hear this. Uh, the Red Wings have uh, one game in uh, Long Island at Nassau Coliseum against the Islanders uh, before we are here again on the podcast next. Um, before we go, we've talked about Georgiev, we talked about Kachuk Cassian. Brad, we're going to do something, a tankathon, and then wherever Red Wings land, we talk about where we draft or who we draft. I'm going to sim the lottery in three, two, and the Red Wings are drafting fourth overall. Fourth. Alex Holtz. Yeah, it's, it's Holtz for sure? Sure. That's who it is today. Assuming the for, the order goes Lafreniere, Byfield, Raymond. Yes, that's the likely order. And if it's anything but that, we take whoever. <laughs> Which fourth overall right now, just because you know cider season is still in. Uh, Stutzla is who I would go with. All right, uh, we should probably head over to overtime, shouldn't we? Maybe that's how we end up with our Russian goalie. We don't trade for Georgiev. <laughs> we draft Askarov fourth overall. There's a lot of people who want Askarov fourth overall. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't don't think I would gamble that much on a goalie there personally. If this is last year's draft, yes. This year's draft like there's you have like six guys here who you who in five years you can look back and say they should have gotten a first or second yeah. overall, right? Yeah, because like objectively in my head, I'm think I'm saying we should take Drysdale fourth, but this is where positional need does kind of it's like, man, you can't pay three right-handed defensemen like eight million dollars each. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and we're going to head over to Patreon uh, where our patrons who support the show get their comments read out as our way of saying thank you for making the Winged Wheel podcast the Winged Wheel podcast. Oh, and before we do that, uh, if you guys want to know other ways to support the show, uh, however you listen, if it's iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts or even just your RSS feed, you can do two things. One, click subscribe so you're actually uh, listed as subscribed to the show, especially if you're on iTunes or Spotify. And two, leave a rating or a review. Um, iTunes is massive. Like We love... We love for you guys to listen however you do, but if you can leave us a rating on iTunes, it does worlds for us. Like, can't tell you how important that algorithm is for us. Um, yeah, in case you want to know other ways to support the show, it, it it does so much for us. So if you guys want to, and if you have uh, nice things to say, some five-star things to say about us, please consider leaving an iTunes review. Uh, all right. Andrew Bohan or Bohan uh, says, "What's up, Dub Duds? Longtime listener, but finally spending money on you guys. Andrew, name level sponsor, sir. Thank you for supporting the show. Spoiling myself and you guys with the Christmas spend out of the way. Been listening since last season. Pretty confident you guys making me laugh out loud on public transport has freaked out people on occasion. That's our only goal. My question is, other than Cider and Valeno, who in Grand Rapids right now has the best potential to fill a key role, and what do you think is the best place prospect to succeed in Detroit?" Thanks for making my commute fun. Stay fresh, cheese bags. In Grand Rapids? Yeah. It's Rasmussen. Okay, is it Rasmussen or is it Cholosky, which I know is kind of a cop-out answer? I think it's... Okay, 
with how horrid the Red Wings power play is, it's Rasmussen. Okay. Zadina needs someone to clean up his mess on the on the one tees. Yeah, you're not like I think you're right, but Chalosky is a left side defenseman who yeah. if he can there's a good chance that Chalosky peters out and never amounts to much here. And this season and last are concerning. He's still very young though. He's 21 years old. Um if Chalosky can round out and be a top 4 left side defenseman, that fills a lot of what you were just talking about and why the Red Wings can't take Drysdale, right? Yeah. No, well, you're still going to have Cider and Heronic. Yeah, That's right. Kind of why you can't take Drysdale. Cause you, which one of those three do you play on the bottom pair? <laughs> Madison Bowie, of course, Brad. <laughs> Madison Bowie. Uh, no, I see what you're saying with Rasmussen. I think with how, even with how bad Chalosky has been this season, he still has more potential to his ceiling is is theoretically higher in my mind. Here's my tinfoil hat theory right now. Okay, they're playing Hronik on the left side with Bowie right now to see if he can play left side so they can draft Drysdale. <laughs> uh, Tyler C says, "Love the podcast." And Evans Ott story was great. Uh, looks like if you follow all of the trades, the Red Wings actually got Gustav Berglund and Carter Guylander for Steve Ott. Yeah, that's right. Evan was wrong about that one. Not sure if that's there's a better chance than uh, Bratstrom for Evan to get his tickets, but at least it's two players. Anyways, keep up the good work. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, I think Guylander, he's a project goalie, but if he pans out, that might be it. There you go. Um, William Schlensky says, I know Red Wings fans love to look back in hindsight and say we're grateful that we didn't sign Parisi and Suter to those deals, but had they signed here, how much different do you think those contracts would be perceived to everyone right now considering the players they would have been surrounded by especially Parisi who would have played with Datsuk or Zetterberg oh no those would still be horrid because Datsuk and Zetterberg are gone the Red Wings would have had a few better years maybe I don't know uh, 2013 turns out a little differently or maybe they make another run which hell I would happily eat every dollar of those contracts if it meant another cup but mm, at this point yeah, no, they're they they would look much worse than they do in Minnesota because Minnesota might actually make the playoffs this year. Dylan Krill says, "Hey guys, my friend pointed out to me that the Wings only have one forward who shoots right, Luke Glendening. Then I checked our depth chart, and he's the only one in our system that shoots right. Our only forward prospects that shoot right are Ethan Phillips, Ryan O'Reilly, and Jack Adams. Is this a potential problem? And how much does it matter to have this many left-handed shooters? You would like some more. It's not. It's on forward. It's not a big a problem as it is for." Defenseman. a defenseman um who are such set pieces yeah i'll just start by saying um the red wings i shoot right i can play right wing i'm ready <laughs> um also the, so here's here's the nuance of it in the offensive zone it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter because there's pros and cons that cancel each other out uh obviously if you're on your off wing you're more uh, in position for a one-timer if you're on your strong side a little more control a little more uh, playmaking potential there so you know doesn't matter on the breakout though boy is it a risky proposition to be taking that pass blind on your backhand while coming up the boards or through the neutral zone with speed you definitely want to be taking that on your forehand so this is the first time in my life where being a right-handed shooting defenseman would not be advantageous for me if i got a call <laughs> come on come on um Obviously, if we take Lafreniere at first, we have the opportunity. But if we do select second, should we target Raymond, who shoots right or over Byfield? No, I go Byfield. I think you're still going Byfield. Yeah, who is, again, now that Byfield, who's younger by year than Lafreniere, is back against back in the OHL, he's had like 10 points or like five. He had like five points in five periods or something like that. Yeah. 
Uh, Matt says, hey guys, I often find myself upset with Blashill, but I've had a hard time determining what's actually his fault and how much of it is the hand he's dealt. So here are my questions. What does this team look like with another coach? Could any coach have them in contention? No, not with this squad. No, they would still be very bad. Uh, would Barry Trotz have their defense turned around? Would Rod Brindamore keep them from being drastically outshot every night? Thanks. Those two, maybe. They, they, the problems would be minimized. Um, I think the special teams could be turned around because you don't necessarily need skill to have a good penalty kill. Uh, the Red Wings have enough skill up front to put together at least one good power play unit, and they're still functioning below what I think they should. Um, there's there's a lot of systematic problems with this team that I think could be tweaked so that they're at least passable. I mean, let's not forget, they've given up five goals or more in almost half their games this year. Again tonight to the friggin' Buffalo Sabres. There's, they'd still be losing, but man, would it be nice to lose 3-2 instead of 5-1. Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, as of right now, who are your seven D-men for next year's roster and how are they paired? And who's your eighth slash healthy scratch? Ugh, these oh, questions are tough. Okay. Uh, top four, assuming the Red Wings don't get splashy in free agency. I think the top four is probably a pretty safe guess of Heronik to Kaiser, Cider Nemeth, and then I think the bottom pairings, uh, Bowie Chalosky with whoever the hell you want, subbing in and out, lash off. Lash off, Biega, don't care. Yeah. I, again, unless anything changes, that's what it's going to be. The penultimate guy, Joe Hicketts. Yeah. Uh, Shay Brophy says, after listening for more than a year, I finally took the plunge and became a patron. Thank you, Shay, for supporting the show. Uh, they say the grass isn't always greener on the other side. I guess they're right. Any thoughts as to whether or not Bernier might possibly garner some interest at the deadline? He's been a real gamer lately and has a year and a half left on his contract. Yeah, um, I think right now that he won't get too much of a look with Georgiev on the market, um, but he definitely could. As with every other year where we've talked about with Howard being on the market, goalie trades are, are difficult, and it depends on what people need. They can't get rid of Bernier. He's under contract for next year, and right now he's the only goalie they have for next year unless they trade for Georgiev. They can't trade Bernier. What if the Red Wings have so few points that Bettman just feels really sad and gives them first overall? <laughs> uh chris cannell says hey guys i'm sure you've probably covered this but with Fridge saying that georgiev us on the block do you think steve should be looking to acquire him at the deadline i were no i know we're not in a position to be giving away anything that could help us down the road but with the organization not really having a top tier goalie prospect it'd be very understandable if steve decided that he could take a chance on finding the goalie of the future yeah i've chatted about that i would be in favor of it i wouldn't want to give up too much more than a svechnikov or a rasmussen um, but I think there definitely is a deal to be had, not the end of the world if it passes by. Evan Beckner says, hey, guys, last week's comment uh, from Matt about Pinkalicious struck a bit too close to home. Been watching Finding Nemo with my two-year-old over 50 times in the past month. Won't watch anything else. I've memorized the entire movie. My wife and I have tried other movies to break the monotony. Frozen, Tangled, Up, Doesn't Matter, Nemo, All Day, Every Day. Also, she started screaming, no hit me, no hit me, daddy, every time she thinks she's in trouble. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to jail. For the record, she's never been hit by anyone. Grocery store trips are infinitely more stressful uh, now. Anyways, thanks for the great pod, and I just want to say thanks for being a consistent bright spot week in and week out. I've been listening since before Mika was born and hearing Brad throw, go through fatherhood for the first time helped me handle my anxiety when my daughter was on the way. This pod <laughs> can be... 
can be so much more than hockey at times. And I just wanted to say thanks again. That means a lot. Thank you. I hope, I hope you have access to the podcast from prison. (laughs) (laughs) Writing this on the way to the game today, I predict the wings win three, two, but Eichel does something really sexy. Ooh, sorry, Evan. Joseph Delia says, sup, uh, my dudes, the Red Wings season is Zach Cassian and we are Matthew Kachuk. (laughs) (laughs) Holy jumping. I'm going to need a Kadri Cassian tumble ASAP. Both players should be suspended and both fan bases need a Twitter timeout. Have you guys had any intention to do a live show? Just curious. Thank you. Uh, Like a live show recording of the podcast. Oh, in person. Yeah, we've talked yeah, why, about that. But I want to do this where people can actually respond to me when I say the dumb shit I say or possibly throw shit at me as I say it. And that's exactly why we're doing it. So you guys can throw stuff at Brad. Uh, yeah, definitely want to. It would depend on interest and how many people turned out. I would be horrified to book a whole live recording and have nine people show up. <laughs> uh, Philip, like, what, like, What is the smallest venue you could even rent for that? Probably this room that we're in. <laughs> Philip Gastineau says, if you guys haven't already, can you comment on the two interviews that were released on Friday from Eisman with Fox Sports Detroit and Ken Cal? I've only been able to watch the Ken Cal one so far. Um, interesting thing. Eisman hasn't said, didn't say too much more, but it is nice to get like 15 minutes of like unfettered thoughts from Eisman. Um, interesting notes. He did kind of, without explicitly saying it, suggest that uh, Sider would get a nine game look this season. From the impression I got, I don't think he'll get more than nine games, but you never really know. Um, also, it's just another reminder of the fact that Eisman knows that this team is a ways away from competing. So just in case you got ahead of yourself, right, it was more breaks in motion. Once I watch the uh, Fox Sports Detroit one, I'll, I'll dive into it a bit more. Nick Putty says, uh, hey, boys, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. I was at a Bucks game recently and saw that they haven't retired a jersey in a number of years, but it got me thinking. Is there a current Red Wing that you can see getting a number retired, or do we not have that caliber of player right now? Current Red Wing get his number retired? I think Larkin's, I would almost say likely, as long as he spends almost his entire career here. Yeah, he'd have to spend his, he'd have to spend his career and do a lot. Yeah. Uh, other than that, way too early to determine whether a Zadine or a Cider, whoever might. Uh, right now, our best pick at getting their number raised is um, whatever ball we have in the draft lottery machine. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Dahl says, hey, guys, great job as always. You're truly doing God's work, providing us entertainment during this year, largely void of entertainment. Doing my part, bought my roommates and girlfriend wings hats, even though they couldn't care less. That's how you say it, Brad, about hockey. Yes, Brad is very guilty of saying could care less. I'm glad it grades someone else. He's going to do it intentionally now. Shit. Jeremy Dahl continues to say, uh, anyways, I have a funny story to share. I bartend and we usually have most of the hockey games on, so I get a good chance to talk some hockey. So you guys really helped me with my job and my knowledge. I had a Jets fan in and had some fun talking with him, but somehow we got to talking about where you would want to live and he was saying there's no reason to live in edmonton and it sucks and there's nothing to do and it's so cold and i said to him that winnipeg is about the same and he was convinced there's way more to do in winnipeg compared to edmonton i'm thinking okay okay bud am i wrong aren't they both just a frozen hellscape wasn't winnipeg the murder capital of canada for a while anywho keep up the great work you two and sometimes evan thank you for everything you do uh Uh, both places sound awful to live um great people there um I've one thing I've heard about Winnipeg uh, from a friend is that uh, in the summer, sorry, in the winter, the winters will kill you. And if you survive long enough, you get to mosquito season. Now this friend of mine lives in Winnipeg, so he would have a pretty good perspective on it. So, um, yeah, 
as someone who's been to neither city, I have no actual opinion, but they sound pretty much like the same city to me. I, uh, I've come around on living where it gets so cold, it hurts your face. I'll still do my, my, by bitching and moaning every winter, but I'm okay with where we live now. Fewer spiders. Uh, Winnipeg and Edmonton are so cold that I would almost never want to live there, but that's not to say anything about those cities. That's about me and my weakness as a person. Um, I can't comment on what those cities have. I've heard good and bad things about both. We've perfected hockey indoors. I have no more use for the cold. Everett Johnson says, uh, my favorite part of the last episode was Ryan's pronunciation of Hamtramck, which it's spelled Hamtramck, and I haven't seen that word before, but apparently it's pronounced Hamtramck. Uh, perhaps someone should make a Hamtramck pronunciation guys guide to help Ryan say Hamtramck so that he doesn't keep saying Camtramck the way that he said Hamtramck on the last episode. Anyways, a quick would you rather for you boys. A, win the Stanley Cup in your first ever season in the league while playing a pivotal role in your team's championship run, never to win another for the rest of your career. Or B, win the Stanley Cup for the first and only time the year that you are retiring, but as a depth role slash player that doesn't necessarily impact the games that were played leading up to the championship win. Ooh, okay. So this is going to go two ways, and I actually don't know what. If you win it at the end, you would appreciate it a hell of a lot more. Like a hell of a lot more. But if in your first season you were a key contributor in a cup run, you are getting paid a lot more money throughout your career. <laughs> so I'm going to say the first year. Uh, I'm going to say the first year as well for those reasons. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, Hey dudes, Ryan, I tagged you on Twitter. He's making fun of how I said ham tramic. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, brother lives there. Try the Polish food. Not going to make you sing today, but I dearly appreciate your gentle bar- baritone. We're moving on to sad trombone. Womp, womp, womp. Bum, bum, badum, womp. As, as, as it's time for the Justin Abdulkader one-for-one one trade game, the rules make a viable trade offer for him one-for-one for, one for any contract in the league or take a swift blow to the groin with a nail bat. Gentlemen, get your cups ready. Uh, there's no one-for-one for, one for Abdulkader. There's literally no one-for-one for, one for Abdulkader. What's another terrible contract? Lucic. Yeah, maybe. But why would you even ever do that? Why would either team... I'm sorry, but I think my nail bat is the only way to go here. <laughs> Uh, Evan, sad to hear you've abandoned Clash of Clans. Been thinking about your Eric Carlson scenario from last week. As it stands today, the Red Wings sign or trade nobody aside from calling up Sider Chalosky. The rest of the blue line looks like uh, DK, Nemeth, Hronik, Lashoff. Yikes. Eisman can call up McElrath, resign sign as a seventh. Bowie, although I agree with Officer Broccoli Rob that Bowie should be slotted in at fourth line forward or dangled at the deadline now that he has some modicum of value. Went looking at other players in similar contracts to Nemeth who could be signed. Two I found are Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, righty in Carolina and Ben Hutton lefty in LA. What do you guys think of these cheese bags? Any other defensemen that you can think of? I'd be surprised if they were available for Detroit. Sure. Why not? If they come on the same contract as Nemeth, I wouldn't say no to either. Uh, stay fresh cheese bags. When you headhunt Zach Cassian twice in one game and he flail and he flails you around like the Hulk swinging Loki around, uh, wrap up your wounds with some stay fresh cheese bags and stop making bonehead decisions. Also good for stuffing in your ears to drown out the course of cheers around the league from your SmackDown. Get rid of the instigator penalty. By the way, who's Kevin? Not sure who Kevin is. I think it's another nickname that Rowan's made up. Uh, Haroon Khan says, uh, hey guys, so Bowie replaced Abdulkader on the second unit. Also, I don't understand why Perlini is scratched instead of Abby. The guy can clearly provide more and he's also a bigger body, uh, which is what they think Abby provides. Is there any potential of a buyout for Nielsen or Abdulkader? Let's go Red Wings. Not until the Red Wings. Again, I'll repeat this till I'm blue in the face. Not until the Red Wings, A, need cap space, which they don't. 
or B, are on the verge of being really good and they need the roster spot, which right now they don't. So there's there's no good reason to buy them out right now. This is the only, 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 only perceived negative to the the, the cap negotiation being pushed to a couple of years down the road is that if the new CBA was negotiated for sooner, uh, the Red Wings maybe would have gotten some compliance, some free get-out-of-jail-free cards, some compliance buyouts sooner. Um, if they do come, if at all, it'll be so late in those deals that it's almost pointless to use them or they'll get a lot less value. Uh, I don't see them buying them out. Uh, Eddie says, hey, boys, it's insane to me how Montreal fans think Coconut, and that's Kotkinemi, is better than Phil, although I, they also think they're getting Lafreniere. Absolutely delusional. Hey, man, they very well could. They're, they're very much in the lottery division. Uh, the draft lottery is a cruel, cruel mistress, and the Red Wings are literally technically the most unlucky team in the draft lottery. They've dropped down the most. I thought Vancouver would have been close with us. Was it? Oh, I thought it was... Maybe we should look that up. It's Austin, they're, they're, it's, among, they're up there. It's Austin Vancouver who have, who have every right to hate the draft lottery the most. But since Vancouver might make the playoffs this year, I think then we would take that crown. Um, yeah. Uh, Liz B says, so I should, should I pre- just prepare myself now for a Howard retirement video opening night? <laughs> maybe. Honestly, maybe. Uh, we have some time for some Reddit questions and some Ask WWPs. Kimosabe R22 says, is Lundell someone to consider taking top four in the draft? Uh, his stats in Liga are impressive. Depends who you talk to, but you also got to keep in mind, much like Lafreniere, he's a year older than most of the people in this draft, along with Marco Rossi. Absolutely should be considered for four, but not one of my stronger candidates for it at the moment. Um, outside of three, I have a harder time solidifying it. He's not the first one that comes to mind, but he's definitely in that tier for sure. Uh, with Harsey says, with the same lines the last few games, do you think someone went to Blash's office and broke his blender? Uh, no, I think this is legitimately, this team is so hurt, you can only do so much. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah, le- legitimately. They have, um, by my count, four top six caliber forwards right now. So you, there's not a lot you can do there. Um, what do the lines look like when Mantha and Athena see you come back? What we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, hopefully replace Fabry with Mantha on the first line and then f- screw it. Fabry, Zadina, Athena see you. Let's have some fun. <laughs> Uh, it'll never happen but god would i love that regius jesus or regius jesus says hey guys new listener love the pod or like the podcast thank you uh and welcome to uh the dub dub uh i understand you guys are from toronto uh close we're from uh kitchener waterloo um can you give a brief history of your red wings fandom i was born in windsor could see joe lewis from my uh pretty much from my house uh brad forgets how i was way too young i have no idea why i started cheering for them and brad and evan are from this area and evan is because he hated toronto so much which i respect a lot (laughs) Uh, mildly stone says just talk more about larkin's goal against ottawa please i loved it so much it really was the best display of like larkin's offensive talent just the speed the deceptive body positioning that we talked about and the like getting low to get around that guys it was just the classic that's how you weave in and out of everyone when they're just kind of floating in space i feel like half of larkin's career highlight video is going to be just goals against ottawa uh yeah probably because <laughs> he had two wraparound goals against him didn't he yeah or no, he had the shorthand or short side, short side one and then just the froze Anderson around. on the next one and wrapped it around on him. Uh, some asked WWPs. Alex Boyer says, who are some potential trade targets you want the Wings to acquire? Personally, think Radic Faxa and Kyle Turris are interesting. 
Um, I would only want picks, really. Picks uh, yeah. or Georgiev or someone. Prospects. Yeah. Prospects. Um, tourists, I'm not touching that contract. And Faxa, there's no way Dallas lets him go. Iserbaz says, can Bernier be a legit number one season or number one goaltender next season? And is it worth getting to or trying to get Scott Darling as a backup? No to Scott Darling. And I would argue Bernier is a legitimate number one now. He's Detroit's legitimate number one. Yeah, Dude, a 907 on this team cannot be understated. No, for real. Uh, Little Ragman says, do you think Rasmussen will be called up at some point this season? Oh, for sure. Depends on his health. If he can stay healthy, I think no no doubt we'll see him again this season. Um, Darn Fox asks about Askarov. Again, he's in that tier. I would be surprised if they went with a goalie there, but I wouldn't be like blown out of the water like I was with Cider. Uh, cross crease passes. If Cider establishes himself in the NHL quicker than any of the guys selected before him, can we promise to not be as insufferable as Canucks fans are about Hughes? Yeah, no, that- no, no. I will be more insufferable. No, but that's the thing that always got me about the Hughes pick is like, you know, Canucks fans often dunk on people about Hughes and fair, fair game. Like Hughes is an excellent player who by all rights should have been taken higher, but you would have been hard pressed. Brad, what are you doing? <laughs> you would have been hard pressed to find a guy who would, uh, or a GM who would have taken Hughes higher than that. Right. Like Zadina was going to go before Hughes, uh, well, really, when we look back at it, the two surprises of that draft were still Kot Kanami and Hayden. Yeah. Those are the guys who you can make an argument of like, yeah, Vancouver should be dunked on dunking on them. But with Kachuk and Zadina, I don't really think Kachuk's working out well for Ottawa. Zadina looks like he's working out pretty well for Detroit. Obviously, the top two is the top two. Yeah. Arizona and Montreal still to be determined on the verdict of their draft there. Magic Man. Uh asked about uh Chalosky. and that's a tough one because we've come to bat for Chalosky quite a bit on this podcast but he has not done a lot this season so what to do what to do good coach uh he's still young so though it might not be a heroic level player that we're getting here um i'm not giving up quite yet but he does need to turn it around we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. We will be back at you midweek uh, Islander game between now and then. Thank you all so much. Again, other ways to support the show. If you don't listen to our uh, lovely voiceover at the end of the episode, please do because she talks about all the ways you can support the show. But leave a rating, iTunes or Spotify. Hey, we passed 1,000 followers on Spotify. Woo! Oh, also one last thing. I think the best suggestion that we've gotten for the, the name of the new studio that's not the Podloft is The Wheelhouse. And I think that might be what we have to go with. Hmm. Yeah. I really like the wheelhouse. Anyhow, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, um, Arjun Shanker. I love my playoff bound Packers and they're playing right now. So who knows how they're doing? Scott Martin, Luke Johnson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Hassam Al-Kassem, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Aaron Taylor, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Kayla Thompson, Ryan Lewis, Sean Levine, Matt McKay, Hannah Lee, Kaylin Wood, Jacob Turner, Charlie Elkins, Andrew Bohan, new name level sponsor, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Craig Kibble, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Kay Waz, and Simon Anderson. Thank you all so much, and we will catch you later this week. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.